And every single week at McCann Professional Dog Trainers, we help over 500 dogs a week to come when called, to, to walk on a loose leash, to sit and stay when they're asked to, and generally to have good manners. And uh, today we are talking to the Director of Online Training for McCann Professional Dog Trainers in the My Dog Can program, Shannon Viljasso. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about your expectations of your dog in terms of their manners on leash. And uh, with no further ado, I'm going to introduce Shannon. Shannon, thank you for uh, joining us again on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. And uh, on that note, I'm Ken Steep, and welcome back to McCann Dogs. So, Shannon, this is a, a sort of a, a hot topic this time of year as people get out and, uh, you know, do more with their dogs outside. They have more social experiences with uh, other dog owners and dogs. And I, I read your blog post on this and I thought it was a really important topic uh, that we cover. And it's something that we can talk about on the podcast today. So why don't you tell me a little bit, uh, set us up a little bit for, uh, you know, the, the content of what that blog post was. Yeah, so basically it was talking about leash manners and specifically leash manners around other dogs because that really is one of the most tricky distractions you'll come across if you have a dog that is very social or, you know, potentially even if you have a dog that's not social, seeing another dog out there on the street can sometimes make them uh, a little bit sketchy in their obedience or can make them lose their mind a little bit. So just some tips and tricks to um, keep the manners working with you when your dogs are on leash now that the nice weather's here and you're able to get out and about. Yeah, and I think you touched on a really important point that sometimes people overlook. And, um, you know, some dogs may be uh, very comfortable and friendly and happy around other dogs, but there are lots of dogs out there and uh, their dog owners know this that aren't you know, don't love that social interaction. They don't like, certainly don't like being bombarded by another dog when they're uh, doing their best to, you know, maintain that loose leash and pay attention to their owner. So um, this is something people often overlook, I think. Definitely. And, and sometimes it's not, um, sometimes it's not obvious to the owner that the dog doesn't necessarily want to socialize with those other dogs. And we, we see a lot of times where people want to force interactions because dogs are supposed to love playing with other dogs. And there is a there are a lot of dogs out there that would actually just prefer to pass by or maybe just have a little cursory hello, but not necessarily want to be out there playing and having a big party with every single dog they meet. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about um, setting your dog up to, to be right, like setting your dog up to have those good manners. And what are some of the elements you think that uh, you need to sort of put in place to make sure that uh, your dog is respectful to other people and dogs? Definitely. Well, first thing is training. You want to make sure that your dog understands the cues and the commands that you have taught them or would like them to know. You definitely can't expect your dog to understand how to have manners around other dogs if you haven't taken the time to teach them how to do so. So definitely have a plan in place. Have, have the expectations ironed out in your head so that you know going forward what, you, what it is you want your dog to do when they're passing other dogs on the street. My default with my dogs and with any distraction really not just with other dogs on the street my default is always leave it be unless I give you permission to go and investigate it so if I'm walking and my dog is in heel position with me at the left hand side they know that their job unquestionably they know their job is just to stick in there until I give them permission to go and investigate you know if they want to say hello to somebody on the street they know that they need to wait until I say 
okay, basically they're free at that point to go and sniff and say hi or, you know, go and lift their leg on that fire hydrant or, or wherever it is. I personally don't like my dogs just lifting their legs willy-nilly on everybody's bushes. Um, I, I find that uh, that could be interpreted as rude depending on, on the person and their property. So my dogs are, are very clear. You don't get to stop and you don't get to be distracted until I give you permission. And that sets me up for you know, walking down the street and not having them be a menace and potentially, you know, lift their legs on everybody's bushes. When we get to the park, I'll tell them, okay, and then that's their opportunity to sniff around and lift their legs and and I'll be a little bit more relaxed myself because I know that I've had a good look around and there's nothing in the environment that I'm concerned about before I give them, give them permission to go off and investigate. Yeah, and I like the idea that you touched on. It may be perceived as rude, and, and, and those of us with uh, male dogs probably, you know, have to address this more often than with females because we in our household we have uh, more females than males, but uh, we have a couple of intact males, and they will uh, mark, you know, in a moment's notice. So if we're in an area where that isn't appropriate, we need to be, uh, you know, really paying attention to them. But I think rehearsing that idea with them, having them uh, have a clear understanding of uh, the fact that it's not okay and you will in fact allow them to go sniff and you know uh, do their business or whatever I think uh, you know your dog truly understanding that there will be an opportunity to do that but only when it is appropriate is really really an important thing for you know an expectation that dog owners should have Definitely. And it clarifies so much for the dog because there's so many gray areas out there. The distractions are always different. You know, if we're walking down the street, there might be some sort of debris on the sidewalk. And if I don't know what that is and don't know that it's that it's safe, I don't necessarily want my dog investigating that. So if I haven't given them permission, they know that things like that are off limits. They know to ignore the distraction of the other dogs on the street, the people, anything that might be on the ground and anything that might be tempting for them to sniff or lift their legs on. For sure. Now let's talk about animate objects. We've been talking a little bit about inanimate objects, whether it be a bush or a tree or a post or whatever uh, someone might encounter uh, on the course of their walk. But let's talk about, you know, other, let's talk about people first and then we'll talk about dogs second. Sure. Yeah. So what are your expectations, uh, you know, when you go to uh, your dog goes to greet a person or, uh, you know, when you see maybe the neighbor is out uh, as you pass by and they want they want to pet your dog. So set me up or, or sort of explain how you might set your dog up to be right in that scenario. Yeah, for sure. So again, the default is no. The default is it's off limits until I say, OK, so um Usually the hardest part of this is the the other person. It's not typically my own dog that will get confused about this. Once they've had the training, they usually understand, you know what, that's off limits until I get permission to say hello. But I've actually invested with my young dog, Ned, when he was a, when he was a pup, he's 14 months now, but when he was much younger, I actually invested in a, a little vest form or a little um, harness rather that said, do not pet, because I found that the toughest part of getting him to learn the manners I wanted him to learn was that everybody just wanted to rush up to him. Everyone saw this cute fuzzy puppy and nobody thought about, oh, maybe that dog's in training because he's going to be a pretty big guy. 
you know, maybe I should ask permission. You know, kids would come running up because it's a puppy. They just, they, they, it sort of implies that the dog is safe to approach, which is, a, it's, it's not a good assumption to make for parents or children that any dog is ever safe to run up to. You definitely want to make sure that you are ready to educate anybody you come across on walks, which brings me back to the point. So if you're walking down the street and you see a person and you know chances are they're going to want to say hello or they're already making, you know, googly faces at the dog, you want to say, oh, just hang on. I want to make sure he has good manners. You want to educate that person. And I found that when I put that harness on Ned as a puppy, it just made people stop. Oh, I'm not supposed to pet that dog. And then I would have the opportunity to say, hey, did you want to say hello? You know, if they had a child with them, if you want to say hello, I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to have you say hi to my puppy. I'm just going to have him sit first because we're working on manners. I don't want him to jump up and knock you over. Usually people and especially kids, kids are great. When you get that information to them, they're like, oh, I am on board. I want to help. I want to help you train this dog. You know, it really gives them a sense of pride. And you can also educate them at the same time. You know, don't rush up to a dog always ask permission and you can help them to understand how to greet properly as well. All the while you're helping your dog understand how to have good manners. So a lot of the times it's more about educating the people than it is about uh, solely educating the dog. Yeah. And I, I love the uh, idea that you, uh, you sort of, uh, you have a default where you go back to it's uh, on your terms, you will either allow your dog to go and visit or not. And I think that really speaks not only to clarity, but consistency. And we know that th that's how dogs learn. You know, if you give them consistent information, they will, uh, you know, develop that skill or strengthen that skill. And I, um, you know, if I were to meet, um, you know, a friend who I know really well that I know loves dogs and I allow my dog to pull all the way up to them, but for everyone else, they must sit at my side. It gives them some conflicting information. Definitely, definitely. And that actually brings up a really good point as well. So if you have situations where your dog is going to be overwhelmed by what you're asking them to do, you need to recognize that in your dog. And when we're training anything, we always want to start in the most boring environment possible. I always say, imagine trying to learn math while you're riding on a roller coaster. It's just not going to happen. There's far too much excitement. There's far too much stimulation going on. And that really is the equivalent of a dog trying to learn to have good manners in the face of people coming right in and saying hello. So before I actually get out on the street and allow my dog to say hello to all sorts of people, I make sure that my dog can do this 100% in my house with myself with my partner i want to make sure that the people that my dog knows really really well i've practiced i've set up this scene so i've rehearsed the idea for my dog that this is what you do in this scenario when i say okay go say hi you can go up gently you just can't jump up on people or if i say um sit and have him sit at my side then i can practice with people that are not really exciting to my dog anymore at this point they can come in and they can pet and say hello i can get in really really good reinforcement to my dog and we can basically rehearse this situation without the novelty and the excitement of people out on the street yeah and certainly you uh, you know as a dog owner <clears throat> with a puppy or, or dog in training you're in a perfect scenario to use these events as training scenarios. You've got your six foot leash in your hand and you're ready. If your puppy is to jump up, you can redirect them and give them the right information because uh, we all know how social some puppies can be. You know, they love 
people they love again probably um, it has a lot to do with what you talked about earlier when you mentioned that people you know are so excited to see a puppy well the puppy just feeds off of that energy sometimes and you know to be a great um, you know teacher for our dogs so that they truly understand the manners we're set up in in a great situation uh, in that case uh, to to give them good information to redirect them off the person if that's what's required but again to reward and praise them when they're making the right choice so um and that, that leads me into a bit of an equipment talk um, now i know you mentioned that you 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 put a a harness on ned uh, when you're doing mm-hmm. your walking uh, sort of like a, for informational purposes um but what would what are you thinking about in terms of equipment when you're training your puppy uh in these settings in these scenarios so with Ned, I've been um, I've been able to get away with the 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 harness, as you said, was for informational purposes, and I've been able to get away with just using a flat buckle collar on him, and he's responded great to that. In the past, though, I have used uh, gentle leaders on my other dogs. We really like the gentle leader around here. It, it it basically just calms the dog a little bit, and it enables you to get good information to them, so you're not constantly struggling. It it basically just calms them. It gives you better control. It's like putting a halter on a horse you have control of the animal's head so you have control of the entire animal um and we absolutely love the gentle leader brand over most of the other head halters out there we just find it far more effective to work with so a gentle leader is a great tool if you're finding you're really struggling it will absolutely make your training easier it's not something that you want to use forever it's something that you'll be able to wean off of once your dog has the information so once they understand how to walk without pulling how to greet people nicely you can start to wean away from it and there's sort of an in-between point with the gentle leader which is exactly why we prefer it one of the big reasons we prefer it to all of the other head halters that are out there on the market um, so a gentle leader could be a good option for you flat collar i also want to touch on retractable leashes and this is a tool that has very very limited use and unfortunately people use it far more than they ever should and it's another topic that we've written about extensively you can check the blog and do a search for a retractable leash and you will find all of the reasons and then some why we do not recommend this tool for many applications you know there's certainly a, a couple of instances you might want to use it uh, but for general training and for training of a young dog it absolutely will work against you so first off it gives the dog far too much freedom it's far too difficult to control the dog on an extendable leash what you want to do is have a solid state leash we usually recommend about six feet in length because that'll give you enough room to work with and give the dog a little bit of freedom in situations where you want to but keep them close enough that you can maintain control the problem with using a a retractable leash or an extendable leash is that the dog gets to pull on it and yes you can lock them but they're really they're really difficult to maneuver and to control the dog with so just having that big bulky thing in your hands having this 20 feet of long line that can feed out having to try to physically manipulate and lock it if your dog sees something really exciting on the street and they're still not well trained for them to take off and then you lock it and they get this big jolt on their neck that's just a bad situation to set up Um, they also if you try to grab the line i actually did this years and years ago 
way, way back with my Rottweiler Quincy. Um, she, we left the, the house. This was back when I thought retractable leashes were fun and, and used one. And, you know, I regretted it. <laughs> um, we left the house and she got excited about heading down the walkway and out to the driveway. And for some reason, instead of locking the leash, I went to grab the line with my hand and I ended up with such an awful rope burn from that, you know, oh, that can be uh, really nasty. six pound. Yeah, terrible. 86 pound Rottweiler running and grabbing a nylon line that that really hurts. And most of us here have had uh, had nylon line burns of some sort, but that that's definitely not fun. So there's no way to control that without just locking the mechanism. And then from there, trying to get the dog back under control. And it sends them such such mixed messages, especially with the pulling aspect, because there's constantly, it's spring-loaded. So there's constant tension on the dog's collar. And basically, it gives your dog permission to pull, even ever so lightly. It's still, they can feel that pressure from the leash, and it gives them a mixed message that it's okay to put tension into that leash. So definitely avoid any sort of extendable leash. If you're really struggling with a dog that's really excited or really powerful, think about perhaps using a gentle leader tool yeah and uh, for you guys who um, have show notes I will post a link to both the blog post uh, as well as our video on gentle leaders where instructor Steve from uh, McCann dogs uh, did a you know a great talk about how how when and why to use them um, as well as how to fit them so if it, gentle leaders something that we get absolutely no kickbacks from gentle the gentle leader brand uh but we do believe in it very strongly as a, as a training tool and in fact uh this is we're recording this in the afternoon earlier today i fit a couple on dogs and saw a real transformation uh it was really um you know it was so uh, gratifying to see them um you know the, their owner have a little more control and, and you know be able to be more successful and show that you know reward the dog for making good choices simply by changing a piece of equipment now if you're listening to this on your amazon alexa uh, you can check us out on uh, mccandogs.com and, and uh, you can find the links there now shannon beyond uh you know the right equipment um and, and you know having a standard being consistent um you mentioned in your blog post about engaging with your dog and tell me a little bit more about that yeah, definitely. So I see this myself when I'm out on the street and I see someone who's obviously struggling to, to keep their dog's attention where sometimes they'll just freeze up and they won't talk to the dog and they won't help the dog um, or they'll try to just make the dog sit. Sitting is a really unnatural thing for a lot of dogs to do when there's action happening in the environment. That's a really advanced skill. So to be able to walk down the street and another dog is walking by and have my dog, you know, tuck into my side and sit and wait for that distraction to go past is far more difficult than if I keep my dog in motion. So I would engage with my dog with some sort of play, some sort of interaction and build enough distance from the distraction that that's easy to do. So with a young pup, I will often, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not wanting him to interact with whatever the distraction is out there on the street, whether it's another person or a dog, I will often cross the street, you know, as I see people coming, I'll cross the street to give myself more room so that I can focus entirely on my dog. And sometimes I will work on my dog's favorite tricks. You know, I taught Ned really, really young how to spin. And I really heavily reinforced that so that I had that behavior everywhere, everywhere I went. It's an action behavior. 
It was a simple behavior for him to give me. And it was something that I put a lot of value on very early. So if he was distracted, I could build distance from the distraction. And then I could ask for those simple tricks. You know, the spin is a fun one with action involved. I could also pull out a toy at that point, you know, call his name, work a little bit on teaching him that even though there's something exciting across the street now that's walking by, you still get really, really great reinforcement, even better reinforcement when the distractions are present by focusing back on me on a call of the name. And then I can pull out his favorite toys. If your dog's toy motivated, that's great. It just gives you extra tools to work with. If not, you can always try to build up that desire for toys, but pull out their favorite toys, have a party with them, you know, really make it reinforcing for them or their favorite treats. You know, if they're not really a toy dog, Make sure that you've planned ahead and with a young dog, especially you've taken some really great rewards on the walk with you, whatever that happens to be with your dog and save those rewards for when the distractions are the toughest. When that dog is walking by and you've built some distance, you cross the street, you're working your skills, you're working your engagement to keep your dog thinking about you and learning to ignore the distractions and make sure that initially, especially the reinforcement value is through the roof. I can't express how important that is. If you're asking your dog to leave the really exciting thing that's in the environment, you'd better have something really, really valuable to let them know it was worth their while to do so. And that way in the future, they make better decisions to begin with. They see those distractions and they go, ah, I don't care about that. And they're looking back to you because they know that the great things come from you. For sure. I, I love those each and every one of those points. And uh, you mentioned uh, early on about uh, sort of placing the dog in a sit when they get really stimulated. And that if you think about it, think about the big picture, that could be very challenging for a lot of dogs. I mean, having them just defaulting always into a sit when what you're intent, what you're intending to teach them is to leave those distractions, walk on a loose leash, you know, not be uh, so overwhelmed by, um, you know, emotion and excitement that they leave you and placing them in the sit uh, seems a little counter intuitive when you look at it that way you know you really want them to yeah. stay with you engage with you and learn to walk on a loose leash and all of those points that you just mentioned shannon i think are, are really going to help uh, you know those dog owners connect with their dogs through those challenging mm -hmm. situations now you and i have spent the past two years on a program uh the my dog can program uh where we took the uh, McCann Professional Dog Trainers methods, the, the McCann method, and translated it into uh, you, you know, something that we could, where, that we could reach uh, distant students. There's uh, people that would move away or people that were really interested in what we we're doing. And, and we, because we only had the physical building, you know, it was hard for them to, to make it to classes. But now you have a, we have the My Dog Can program. And just give us a brief overview uh, because some of the things we talked about today are included in the My Dog Can program. Give, give me a brief overview yeah. of the my dog can program sure you bet so my dog can is our grade one program adapted for an online environment it teaches dogs to come when they're called the first time you call every single time which i would say is inarguably is the most important skill you will ever teach your dog um, even just this morning, I was chatting with one of our clients who said that she was so glad she'd taught the recall. She got two dogs. Somehow, even though she's got several doors in her house that they had to go through, she, she turned around one day when her neighbor said, Hey, aren't those your dogs out there across the street? Oh boy. And she thought, yeah, those are my dogs. So she called them to come and they both beelined right in and sat. And her neighbor was really impressed, of course, because her neighbor was starting to say, do you need help? Can I help you catch them? <laughs> nope. 
I'm good. I'm golden. You know, scenes like that, they happen. It's so important to have your dog come when they're called. Gotten off on a tangent. You said a brief overview. Um, We also teach the dogs to walk on leash nicely. It's one of the other skills that we spend a lot of time on. Probably a really important skill for most people. It's, It's nice to enjoy walking with your dog. Who wants to get out there and be dragged down the street by, you know, a 70 pound golden retriever that just loves the world but has no manners on leash? Um, the last skill that we teach is stays. We teach the dogs to be stationary and to be comfortable with staying despite whatever distractions are going on in the environment. There's all sorts of extra things that we throw in there just to make sure that you've got a great family dog that you can live with. Um, we're going to talk a lot about jumping up. We're going to teach things like drop it, uh, leave it so that if when you do see those dangerous things out on the street, you can tell your dog leave it and they're not going to stop and try to pick up. You know, a hunk of of something that could potentially be dangerous to them. So lots of great skills. My favorite part of the My Dog Can program, though, is what we found as a side effect is that we get to spend so much time teaching people about dog training. So yes, we teach you these skills, these three very important skills and then a whole bunch of other ones. But we also get to talk about why things work or, you know, if, if you've got a dog that something particular is not working for you we troubleshoot and we put systems in place for you that will work it's 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 a great opportunity we've gotten to know our students so so well and we've gotten to really teach them how to be dog trainers not just how to teach certain skills it's such a difference yeah, for sure. And I think back to when um, I was a student at McCann Professional Dog Trainers, and I was always really, you know, my, my dog Deegan had eaten a sock and had to get surgery. And she was, I was always worried that, I, you know, I wasn't going to be prepared if, uh, you know, she made a mistake, if she got off her leash, you know, if she ran out the door, I, I just didn't know. Um, I, I wasn't comfortable with the idea that she would listen to me. Um, I went to McCann professional dog trainers i you know i went through grade one and i fell in love with dog training and part of that was the the ability i was a, i still am a shift worker but i was working shifts at the time the ability to you know come in and train uh, join a class when it was suitable for my schedule not only that if i were having a, an issue uh, i was you know encountering something i could always call the professional dog trainers in the office and as we were putting my dog can together shannon and i really knew that that was a, a really important feature for people to have have. And that's the great part about this online training program is you, uh, you know, if you're having an issue, you can call the office, speak to a professional dog trainer, uh, speak to uh, Shannon or myself. You can email, uh, you know, we have a, a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. Like there's just so much, so many resources available that make this different than any other uh, video you might watch on YouTube or course that you might purchase uh, online. Yeah, so I, it really is a blessing. We actually had somebody call this morning just uh, just a few hours ago and said, oh, I was expecting to leave a message on an answering machine. We are in the office all week long taking calls, giving advice. You know, we're reachable by email. We've got that Facebook group. There's so much support, which is so, so important in dog training. Yeah. So if you um, guys check out the show notes below, I will post a link to the My Dog Can training course if you'd like to train with Shannon or I. And uh, Shannon, thanks a lot yeah. for... for Can I uh, just... Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. I just want to mention, you take lesson one for free on My Dog Can. You know, go to follow the link and check out the first lesson. So we'd love to have you, obviously. We'd love to have you join Team McCann. But even if you aren't ready to commit to the full program, 
Take the first lesson for free, absolutely zero charge. Get out there and start training your dog with those methods. You can take um, the, the recall lesson, the stay lesson, and the walking on lead lesson. Lesson number one's for all three, absolutely for free. Yeah, and if you're anything, if you guys that are listening right now or anything like me, once you start to see the results, you just want more. You know, you just want your dog to to be more successful. And and, uh, and there's no question in my mind that this would be the perfect program for me if I were, you know, just encountering it for the first time. If I weren't so invested, uh, haven't hadn't invested so much of my life in dog training at this point, you know, this would the the my dog camp program would be my choice. Uh, I think for for dog training. But Shannon, I want to thank you for joining joining us on the podcast today. I think uh, our listeners got, uh, got, you know, a good perspective, not only of what to do, uh, you know, in, in the, with leash meat, uh, leash manners and, and greeting other people and dogs, but more importantly, why? And that's something that we strive to do with this podcast is really helping people understand the why behind, uh, you know, what we're doing, what your dog might be thinking or doing, because I think that better uh, arms them to make great choices uh, when they're training with uh, or working with their dog. So on that note, uh, thanks for watching you guys. And uh, from Shannon and myself, happy training. Bye for now. Happy training, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.